Hey, Work Positive Nation, how would you like to work with a company committed to cultivating a leadership culture where you can thrive, pursue your passion, and become a lifelong learner? A company that's challenged to hone the intangible skills that drive business results and catalyze your wellness. <laughs> where do you sign up, right? Well, my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast helps companies cultivate exactly this kind of culture. She's done it so far for Starbucks, Chipotle, and my personal favorite, she sits on the board of Krispy Kreme. Also, she's an advisor to Sherm, the Society of Human Resource Management. So, grab a donut and some coffee, and let's learn together on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey Work Positive Nation, help me welcome to this episode, my amazing friend, Marisa Andrada. Marisa, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Can I just call you Joey? <laughs> Absolutely. My mother does. Okay. So, you know. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. But look, my granddaughter calls me Pops. So if you want to get first attention. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's okay. what you call me. Yeah, that's right. That's the head jerk, right? That's, that's the one that gets me immediately. Oh, my goodness. I am really excited to have you on today because you are such an influencer in the human resources space and helping companies create a positive work culture. So let's dive on in. Right on. So today, it's, you know, we're recording this in 2023. It's it's weird out there. Can I just say it's weird and, and be right about that? Because you've Absolutely. got companies laying off people by the thousands, right? They're they're reducing workforces because it's bloated and of course AI is now making people afraid for their jobs. And then you've got companies saying you just can't find the talent out there That's today. Right that you that you once did so this whole issue of course one of the benefits of a work positive culture is that you're able to attract top talent attracting top talent is weird today because you got some people exiting and other people you want to bring in how yeah. do you attract top talent in this weird environment today marisa yeah i found i especially in this crazy environment over the last four years right three and a half mm -hmm. four years starting pre-pandemic and then working through it you know, managers are quick to say, especially during this time, look, it's the year of efficiency. And yet we need to have these amazing cultures that people want to come work for us. Uh -huh. And all of that is true. I think in order to attract the right talent in terms of just really getting it down to the hiring manager level, and then let's, let's, let's take a step back. Mm -hmm. Managers who are hiring people where they have openings, right? Could have to get really clear about what it is they're hiring. What is the job? How does it fit in and how does that role contribute to the function that they'll be a part of? And how does it really connect directly to the broader strategy and purpose that the company is all about? Mm. And, you know, if I take that at the broader level, if you have managers all in sync doing that when they have open positions. Now, you know, it depends if it's hourly, if it's this professional job, et cetera. I think the first point of attraction is get really clear about what is the work? 
that you are asking someone to do and why is it open? I think that's what human beings are looking for now. Like, is this a new job? Am I backfilling someone? It wasn't newly created. So the why I think is really important and the why connected to, hey, here's what we're trying to accomplish in the short term as a company Mm. and how it ties to our overall purpose. So there's this very practical side for candidates to say, hey, I, I think I want to sign up for this. You know, I, people will call it, is this a realistic job preview? You know, make sure you're super clear about that and then connect the dots mm-hmm. to the why, the company, what they're trying to accomplish and why we're trying to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a really big thing that each manager who's hiring somebody can really own. And needs to know. And, and what... I'm discovering working with companies out there, Maurice, is that last point that you're making, the connection between my daily task and the company mission. Absolutely. Is so super important. And I think with millennials, but especially Gen Z, that's critical to helping them belong because they need to see their, themselves in, in their place in the company. And then if there's a designed career path with professional, personal development along the way in that career path, they'll stay. And, and the whole conversation yeah. about, you know, we've got all these generations, at least three, some companies, four generations working together now. And the, my generation and older tends to disrespect the younger generation. Right. But they're just asking for, in some cases, demanding what my generation should have demanded instead of just keeping going to work and slugging it out day after day. Let's find some purpose. Let's find some meaning in that. So that equity of exchange that occurs between daily task and company yes. mission, that belonging piece is so important. So what are you what are you experiencing out there? What are you seeing out there around belonging and the way companies give expression to positions and how it fits? Yeah, I think belonging is a big thing. And I agree with you. I mean, my last company, I worked at a company where we had five generations working in the company. Yeah, five generations. And so think about like the misunderstandings and miscommunications (laughs) happening between (laughs) generations, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I agree with you. I think there's this, first of all, when Gen Z is especially that you know, eight, 70, 80% that are now in the workforce mm-hmm. that comprise the new workforce and our leaders for the future, they yeah. are looking for a place to belong. And how companies can express that is really getting clear about here's our purpose, here are our values. And then how do they communicate that outwardly, you know, to create yeah. that employment brand uh, proposition? And then how do they, I agree with you, communicate what is the pathway to opportunity for me to build skills and grow skills um, in an organization? So so it's twofold. I think companies need to do that really well, but then I always bring it back down to the manager mm-hmm. because I have found, you know, when a company is vibing and they're like, oh, we are really living our purpose. I think the truth test will be when the candidates come in and hey, they are interviewing with the hiring manager, with potential peers, other leaders in the organization, mm-hmm. and they will tell you, you know, the sniff test or the truth test is, nope, nope. okay, this is really true what I'm reading about and hearing about. I mean, there's a lot of glass door reviews out there, you name it, all the reviews on companies, mm-hmm. but it really comes to life with the human beings that they're meeting with. Mm-hmm. And so I think, again, it's about how that hiring leader actually walks the talk And can they find evidence of that of other leaders that they're working with? I think there's some broader things, too, in terms of belonging um, that I think are obvious. But I I just want to say them because 
I found that when I say them, they're like, oh, thanks for the reminder. You know, especially <laughs> CEOs that I advise today, you know, what is your commitment to having a diverse work culture that yeah. reflects the the guests or the customers that you're ultimately serving or creating your product or service for? Right. And declaring that. I think mm -hmm. with this very diverse workforce today, where they're not even thinking about diversity because they already are diverse, <laughs> they want to be able to, they want to see that in an organization. And especially still the trend is, you know, top to bottom, I think at the top, that's where the opportunity is, mm. you know, and I think in terms of feeling like you can belong, that you see people that, hey, whether I'm here for two months, two weeks, you know, two years, 20 years, hmm. I want to be able to see someone that I can relate to. I mean, it's yes. human nature. And so I think that's one thing that I think leaders have to be clear about if hmm. they really want to create a place of belonging. First of all, does it reflect this population that we're attracting? And hmm. then secondly, what you had already said, Joey, which is all around getting clear around purpose and values. But then third is I, I go back to managers and are they, yeah. are they walking the talk? Yeah. I think that's where it falls apart, quite frankly. It, there's got to be that consistency because I know you're an advisor to SHRM. Um, SHRM survey found 57% of folks leave a job because of a bad boss, right? And we're talking right. about those managers right there. So the C-suite can have all the wonderful initiatives and kick things off, right, that you want. But, it, man, it's those managers who get to interpret from here. And, and I know I'm using a hierarchical way, but... So many companies still are. Sure. And and those frontline folks. So what are some of the keys for those managers? I mean, I'm, I'm standing here still shocked about five generations in one company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the good news and the bad news because you want to talk about diversity. You've got age diversity built in. And yet Gen 1 and Gen 5 approach so many things so differently. That's so how, right. do you, how do you manage in the midst of that honoring and respecting people so that you're catalyzing their wellness at work? I, I love that. I love that question. And actually, it's funny that we're talking about generations in the workplace. I'm sure you saw the study. It was McKinsey published this a couple months ago, and they actually looked at, they talked about retention and also reasons why people stay and leave. And it was interesting that the cross-generational data and the similar themes, hmm. and I know you and I were just talking about this, regardless of generation, you know, one of the reasons why people leave is because of the relationship with the manager. Hmm. You know, simply put, I use the word appreciation and recognition, hmm. you know, as human beings, regardless of what decade we were born, you know, you look at the data that was published around why people leave. It is about, I have a poor relationship with my manager. I don't yes. think they care about me. Mm. And when I say care, it's twofold. Let's start with, you actually want me on this job and you want <laughs> to set me up for success, like <laughs> set the right expectations, be clear about the role. Yes. There's that piece. But then take it a step further, which is why it's so wild today and what we've all lived through in the last three and a half, four years. It is about holistically caring about the well-being of our people, mm -hmm. that it's not just enough to say you must be on fire, like uh, firing all cylinders, yeah. getting your job done. Right. Part of that is making sure that that person, that you care about them and that you understand balance. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is that there is a recognition that 
people bring their full selves, especially if they have these flexible working work um, uh, arrangements mm. where are they mentally, emotionally, you know, physically able to do the job. Mm. And these days where there's the lines are blurred because now there's flexibility. If there is on certain jobs where you can work from home, it's like, Oh, well, they're working from home. You know, they may not be feeling well. And I think <laughs> that's like, like the one thing leaders need to be thinking about. It's that whole role of appreciation that I, I see that as most mm. important. And then for this broader group of people, mm. you know, this Gen Z and the younger millennials who are in mm. the workforce, the data also shows that the second reason why they leave beyond a really poor relationship with the manager and not being seen or heard. And mm. that's really key. The second one is, is development. You know, am mm. I building, and I'm getting right. really specific, marketable skills mm. that I can either take with me to the next job at this company? So is my manager helping to map that for me? Mm-hmm. Or are these and or are these skills that I can take to the next job outside this company? Yeah. Right. So the reason why they're leaving is it's they're not developing, right? They're not building skills that will actually help them continue to build knowledge and um, Mm. experience that will be marketable and usable Mm. in the future. So I think for that broader, younger population, the younger millennials, Mm. as well as Gen Zs, that's a key thing. So leaders need to think about, all right, how do you connect the dots for them again on how does this help them just become a better technician at whatever trade it is or whatever work it is that they're doing. And then how does it connect to what's next for them? I think that's important. I mean, and the other piece too is for the older generation. So the older millennials and the Xers and the boomers, you know, it is, it's this toss up between flexibility and pay, quite frankly, right? So am I being paid for the work that I'm being done. And I know we're talking about all this intrinsic motivation, but I think for this other generation, flexibility still trumps pay. Let's yep. just say that. But I think it's something that we need to be thinking about. And as leaders, you know, please partner with your people slash human resources functions to make sure that you are pricing these roles appropriately and mm-hmm. be transparent about it. You know, just say, here's how we... Here's how we map our total compensation, total pay, and here's where we are in the market. I think people appreciate transparency. They will, particularly among those boomers. Not that I would know anything about this. As as we approach the physical reality of who we are and realize that we're, we're reaching a time sometime in the nearer future rather than later when we're not going to be able to give 70% of our waking hours just from a physical standpoint to work. That's right. And so that's when I think money tends to escalate. Now you were you were talking about something a moment ago uh, that I think is a huge piece in reducing team turnover. We know that I mean the the low numbers two and a half times a person's annual salary. We see numbers ten times, twelve times, mm-hmm. sometimes fifteen times. That's what it costs the company to to come back around. We know that that connection between daily activity and the company mission is important. But the younger generations now that we're talking about are going to change careers, not jobs, careers four to five times on average. So how do we keep the keep the company sustainable, if you will, with the products or services that we've identified as our core mission, right? While allowing the development to move in different directions. 
to prepare for these career changes. Well, I think it's a big trend and I love that you frame it in that way that this next generation, they're not only just changing jobs, they could be changing careers. Absolutely. And it's again, twofold companies really thinking about each job that they are creating Mm -hmm. aligned to their strategy, Mm -hmm. you know, an exercise that I always have my team go through, especially if you're working in a small or a large company, it's like really define the strategy and then define, you know, the organization plan. What is the capability required? What are the skills needed for the organization? And then as you look at each job, you know, it's about hiring for skills, right? So it's about defining the skills required for each job. And you can find that while all the jobs may feel different, you know, one could be sitting in marketing, one could be sitting in finance, human resources, mm-hmm. et cetera. You'll, if you break down the jobs and look at, hey, what skills are required to actually mm-hmm. get this job done? Mm-hmm. It's interesting mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of those are transferable from one to the other. Oh. And when you can articulate open positions, especially if it's inside a company and you're trying to create that internal mobility, Mm-hmm. Like really define the job again, not only here's what we're trying to get the outcomes are, but mm-hmm. here are the skills required. It's going to require leaders to be flexible mm-hmm. in that. How do they take that person with that skill that could be transferable, but then try it on in a different way in a different function? Like mm-hmm. leaders need to have that skill managers do. And as an organization, how do you articulate your jobs in a way that these are the skills required? Because when you break it down in that way, I think it does a few things. One is people see more variety, you know, and diversity in terms of, oh, well, I am interested in doing that job. Mm -hmm. And instead of having this deep career in marketing or in operations, et cetera, I know that these skills can port with me into what's next. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And so it's it's a different game than I know me growing up in my career where it's like, sure. you need to have a degree and then you mm-hmm. you build all this knowledge in your trade. And I think these days where companies, if they want to be sustainable, and you know I've seen this in companies where the best talent who stick around, they get the company really well. Like they really understand the culture. Right. They really understand what it is they're trying to do to serve or deliver the product to the customer or the guest. And I think that knowledge is as important than the actual technical skill. I think that all can be trained. Mm, So absolutely. Because somebody in finance may need different knowledge, but the same skill set may be applicable to marketing. That's right. right. That's right. uh, Just giving them opportunities to explore that, learn what that's about, begin to grow. Uh, through learning platforms, you know, do a certificate in marketing or something if you're in finance or vice versa. Marisa Andrada is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Uh, While you're listening, go to marisaandrada.com. If you look at our show notes, the link's right there for you. If you're walking the dog or on the Peloton or uh, eating a Krispy Kreme donut and drinking some Starbucks coffee. (laughs) Go do it. Just just lick your finger and (laughs) over to Marisa Andrada com and you'll find all kinds of amazing things. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So we, we've got this vision for what culture can look like as a work positive culture. It's going to support up to five generations, which still blows the top off my head. Yeah. That we would have five gen in one company. How do we measure our culture? What are some ways that you've seen really work and best practices for measuring culture to make sure we're doing the kinds of things we've been talking about thus far? Yeah, I think measurement's really important. 
And so no matter where you're starting as a company, you know, it's important to understand what your people metrics are. So again, I think the easy ones are straightforward, are retention or turnover. There's a measure of engagement and it depends on what platform or tool that you're using. I think more often than less, not just an annual, but if there's a pulsing or report monthly, quarterly, I think that's really important. I also, so gather all of those metrics, right? The people metrics. And there's a lot you can find around employee experience, you know, beyond engagement. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Also create that benchmark, whatever that starting point is, and look at the key performance metrics for the company Mm -hmm. and bring a data scientist into this. And this, here's what I love, no matter what brand I've been in, Uh You know, I've always had a data scientist by my side or, you know, we were just talking about skill building. Mm -hmm. You know, I I know I'm a nerd, but I think about uh, people who just love data and it's kind of like and they know people and human resources. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Let's pair you with a data scientist to help us look at this. So, you know, take a look at the correlations. Right. So let's look at these measures on the people side, kind of the softer measures, right? And then look at the KPIs, the key performance indicators for the organization and create those correlations. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. I also think about diversity measures as well, like the diversity of the pipeline for certain jobs Mm -hmm. that are multi-incumbent jobs. I look at diversity at the top, et cetera. Start that benchmark from wherever. If you haven't done that, do that now. And Mm -hmm. over time, because I think culture is a measure of the experience, the emotion, the commitment that employees have. And that ultimately has to translate to high performance, high performing culture and, you know, company outcomes. And so I think that's a way you can measure it. There are other, there are other ways out there. I think this really fascinating one that now I think a lot of companies are diving into is this human performance factor Mm-hmm. And it's from, it's Daniel Ariely from Irrational Capital. Mm-hmm. And he worked with a firm, I think JP Morgan was one of the first that they studied over time. And it's, if you think about culture and specifically as managers, the role that we have in mm-hmm. creating culture yeah. and more specifically, you know, what creates high performance and a high performing culture, the, the human performance factor, which, you know, go take a look at it. It's a lot of human and scientific measures with finance, they looked at total shareholder returns over a period of time, Mm -hmm. and they measured specifically the uh, role of appreciation. So the manager and the employee, like Mm -hmm. that connection point and, you know, how they measured that. So there's that correlation of how the employee feels about the manager appreciation recognition Mm -hmm. to company performance. And they looked at the higher that correlation, specifically mm-hmm. in that one area, the mm-hmm. higher the shareholder return. Wow. And so I think that's a way that I think about measuring culture. Mm-hmm. It is not just the soft stuff. I mean, I know I I love that people love companies that they work for, which is yeah. great. It yeah. is all about love. And, you know, a lot of companies also are there for profit. And so how do mm-hmm. you connect the dots on that? That's how yeah. I would measure it. Well, my friend Larry Levine is fond of saying soft skills yield hard dollars. 
I love that. So it's yeah. not just the squishy stuff. Um, you've also reminded me a couple times now because you've used the word appreciation several times. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Languages of Appreciation. And and so when you're expressing appreciation, learning the preferred style or method of receiving appreciation of the person with whom yes. your gifting is really important too. So that's cool. And you also reminded me, you know, tie in culture back KPIs and particularly that study there showing shareholder prices yeah. went up, right? I mean, it's demonstrable time after time after time. David Friedman uh, has been a guest on the Work Positive Podcast, and he and I recently did a lot of work around his book, Culture by Design, for the new course that I've got rolling out, Small Hinges, Swing, Big Doors. And he uh, he says in, in that book that culture KPIs are really important, that we can establish culture KPIs as what, in addition to company KPIs and the two complement each other really well. And so we can measure those culture KPIs too. So uh, that's an amazing, I think, adaptation of exactly what you're talking about there in terms of yeah. relating that back to KPIs. I, I love that. And I think there's a piece too, that if you as a company or your organization can identify the culture KPIs, and again, it's that correlation point. It's how I look at it. The people and the, the business measures, right, or the financial measures, mm -hmm. when you can identify that, I think yeah. a beautiful thing could be, how do you yeah. hold leadership accountable for yeah. the movement of that? That's huge. And culture KPIs really take on um, meaning when you look at behavior. I mean, values are important, giving clarity to your mission, vision, yes. and values are really important. But at the end of the day, how do we roll around here, right? What's yeah, the preferred right. behavior that, that makes things happen? Um, you know, uh, practicing blameless problem solving is one of David's favorites. You know, how do you do that? How do you see that exhibited? So to your point where managers are that pivot point for all these great things, culture happening, yeah. right? really hunkering down with them and helping them understand here are the behaviors we're looking for. How are you, Mr. or Ms. Leader, exhibiting this in your relationships with persons for whom you're responsible? That's right. Yeah. So let's talk about some challenges. Um, you've worked with different companies and you consult with other companies. What are some of the, say, the top three challenges that you see today companies facing in creating a work positive culture? Oh, my goodness. Um, I know we only have a few minutes in terms of this whole podcast. <laughs> I, I think, first of all, culture is a reflection of leadership, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, there has to be an alignment with leaders, mm -hmm. really at the top, quite frankly, on how they roll, right? And and I, I, there's just so much change happening today and so much leadership turnover too that I'm seeing that um, it takes time for that to even to solidify. Yeah. And so I think it's about, again, getting alignment across leaders and again, CEOs mm -hmm. that I work with. It's kind of like, how mm -hmm. are you resetting the rules or how are you aligning how we get work done together? Because I think, mm -hmm. and then how does that measure up to the values that we espouse in this company. I think that's part one. I think part two is, so getting steady top leadership who are all singing from the same song sheet, if that makes sense, <laughs> right? I think yeah. that there's a disconnect when that's not happening. Oh, it is. Um, I think the other thing too is, we, you and I are on the theme and it's about the role of the manager. And it was another study that just came out recently. It was a couple months ago. It's the Gallup Work Human Study. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting fact where 
they mentioned that employees today actually it's not so much that they align with company culture, why they join companies. It's about connections, right? So how are they making connections inside the company? And so it's not just enough to say, Hey, here's this amazing culture that we have. And again, (laughs) going to managers, how are you creating connections with your employees? Hmm. Not only with you first and foremost, but secondly, with each other, you know, you think about, I think that's a challenge with culture. It's not just enough. And I know there's, I mean, I, I can get go down a rabbit hole of, and it's <laughs> especially challenging with this flexible workforce yeah. that's happening. Mm-hmm. There's a dynamic which requires human connection, maybe mm. not every day, because I think everyone's still trying to synchronize. Okay, when are we coming back to the office? <laughs> right. And if we synchronize, let's make sure we're there during the same day so that uh-huh. you have that human connection. But mm. then more importantly, it's not just about let's name the same days. You have to be really intentional about, all right, if we're requiring people to be in the office together, and you know, I'm gonna say three, four days a week or once a quarter, four, mm-hmm. three or four days where we're all together. Mm-hmm. It's what you do as leaders Thank intentionally mm-hmm. to ensure that yep. there is connection, collaboration, conversation happening with people. And I think mm-hmm. that's the downside of, well, we've got to synchronize and have people in the office. And I think yep. that's the downside of not great cultures. It's about how do you facilitate and intentionally create those connections. So oh, I think yeah. I mean, I think that's really a lot that I just said. Oh, it but, is. You know, it is. Um, and I'm going to stand beside you on, on yeah. our soap, our common soapbox here. I could could do that. Please, please, please avoid assuming that physicality equals connection. That's right. It does not. You can get a herd of people together in a room, and they could be working with a total lack of connection and millennials and Gen Z's, these younger generations require connection because at the end of the day, it's all about people, right? And it's That's people right. who are getting the work done. So I can be in a room full of people and still be lonely. So That's make right. that connection, show me how my work connects and then connect me with people who are doing the same work or similar work. And we're all moving towards the mission together. Yeah. That's the big uh, connection lack right now is we're assuming the physicality equals. So Marisa Andrada, let me ask you a question that Work Positive Nation always wants to hear my guest answer. What's one thing? I know there are a lot of things, but what's one thing Work Positive Nation can do today, starting today, right where they are at work, to create a positive work culture? What's your one thing, Marisa? The one thing is, and there's a theme throughout our entire conversation, for you to take the one executable step starting now, as soon as we're done watching this, is if you lead people, so you support people directly, or if you're a team member and you work side by side with people, it is a to see and hear people appreciate them, but more specifically ask them, you know, what are you excited about, right? In terms of what you're working on and what would you like to accomplish? So I think that's from a work standpoint, but what are you dreaming about Mm. as well? Like understand not only what the goals are for people, but their hopes and dreams too. And then bring that back into how you can help them live that and what they're doing today. It's one, it's a simple, easy thing. And it's amazing what you might hear when you ask people that, like, what are you excited about that you're working on? But then what are you dreaming about? 
And then let's talk about how that, how you can manifest that in the work you're doing today. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah, because if you ask those two questions, <laughs> be prepared to put some legs and feet up under them, right? How can we help you manifest that? In That's right. Today? I love yes. it. Those are two amazing questions. So there's your one thing with two questions. Go do it now. That's particularly right. If you're a manager or a Go leader. Go do it now. Marisa yes. Andrada, thank you so much. I know I'm smarter because of spending this time with you today. I know Work Positive Nation is too, and we're all better because of this conversation today. So thank you. Work Positive Nation, go to marisaandrada.com right now. The link's in the show notes. Get yourself over there. Discover all sorts of amazing things there. Uh, be sure to continue to go there because Marisa's working on a book. It may be the book is out when you are listening to this particular episode sure, of the Work right. Positive Podcast, but it won't be soon. So make sure you get yourself a copy of her new book when it comes out, a dozen glazed Krispy Kremes and a hot cup of Starbucks coffee. And it. your life will be complete. Right, Marisa? Absolutely. Full circle. Thank you no so pun much intended. my guest today. <laughs> Thank you. It was so much fun. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free Work Positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About. And it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about. And you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.